Now, you know what this music means by now, don't you? Yeah, it means it's time for another edition of Inside Gene Shepherd. We're dipping into my personal Gene Shepherd collection. I recorded these shows back in the mid-70s when Gene Shepherd was still on the air and our local radio, a local FM radio station would play at the Gene Shepherd shows and the sound quality was so much better than the original WRAM versions. Well, today we have a classic Gene Shepherd show from my personal collection. Today it's Gene Shepherd talking about the dish rag chain letter. Yes, the chain letter dish rag story. Oh, this is a classic from Gene Shepherd. He's told it on a couple of different occasions. He even had one of his PBS television specials was based on part of this story. So this is a Gene Shepherd classic, the dish rag chain letter. And I don't want to tell you anymore. You're going to have to hear it right now. This is a program I, let's see, when did I record this thing? Here we go. January 17th. 1975, yeah, January 1775. I was in high school at this time, and I would record these Gene Shepherds when I got home at night. They'd be on usually about 7 p.m., and that's when I hit that record switch, and thank goodness I did, because now we can enjoy them together. Here now, inside Gene Shepherd on the Library of Sound. a good general store. Look at how look at how well Cora is doing, you know. I only sell Maxwell House. Well, yeah, that's a general store. Well, that's what life is about. It's about hey, speaking of uh, of uh, life being about the various uh, totally inexplicable things. Wait a minute, where am I? Yeah, here it is. Uh, we have a uh, listener who writes and says, uh, Shepard, don't you think it's about time that you salute the yearly plethora of uh, cold remedies that uh, come on TV every time of this year. You know, these people, the, the one I like particularly, incidentally, I saw one of them on the street. I was amazed. Yeah, in fact, I saw, I was in Chalk Full of Nuts. I saw, the guy comes in and sits down there, you know, and he orders a, he orders his uh, chocolate brownie, you know, brownie. And uh, he had, uh, he had, uh, I think he had the uh, orange drink. That's not the same as orange juice, you know, it's orange drink. It's colored orange, see? So he, uh, he had this orange drink, and he's uh, eating his brownie. And I'll be damned, he had a number on the side of his nose, number 43, written right on the side, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I'd, seen, I'd seen those people on TV with those numbers on their noses. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's some kind of a religious sect, I understand. I, th- I think those, those numbers are, uh, are uh, tattooed on their noses. There's number 43. And uh, I wanted to go over and say hello to him, but, uh, you know, I didn't want to bother him because uh, there were a couple of people that were getting, uh, 
getting autographs, and you know they they'd seen him on TV, and uh, well, uh, you know it's just, that's one of the great things about living in New York. You see celebrities everywhere you go. You know, it's really great. Uh, the other day I'm walking down Fifth Avenue and uh, I saw that lady, uh, the one that's being told by her daughter that she should use uh, the new Clorox, in spite of that old. Uh, you know, that old granulated soap she's using, and she was looking really bugged. I'll tell you, I was walking down the street, and you could just see she just had another argument with her daughter again. Her daughter was uh, straightening her out on toothpaste or something like that. And, and uh, of course, these things all happen like that. They really do. Like, uh, well, I was out on Route 3. Who do you think I saw on Route 3 on a diner over in Jersey? No, no. Well, uh, these things just come out. You, you, you don't expect them. you got to keep your eyes open, though. They're everywhere. I go to this diner, you know, a whole bunch of truck drivers sitting around there. And uh, who is, is behind the counter there demonstrating the quicker picker-upper? Yeah. She says, here. And she has these glasses and all that stuff. And, of course, one guy came on. Will you bring me my pie and quit selling that damn towel? And she got a little bug, you know, a lot of yelling back. And, but I hate that kind of stuff when you're eating, you know. And she came over to my table. And what did she do? Knock my coffee over. And says, here, I'm going to show you, you know. She goes with the thing again, you know. I said, come on, honey. Lay off of it. I never use those towels. As far as I'm concerned, the two-ply nearest competitor towel is uh, kind of nice. I like it. They got the new erotic designs on. That's what I like. And well, you know, well, crying out loud. I mean, it happens all the time. The other day, you know, I, I go past this this uh, automobile dealership out on uh, Utopia Parkway. In fact, there were about 45 people running around out in the parking lot, screaming and yelling. And you know what? The damnedest thing you ever saw. There was this mountain lion chasing them. And yeah, the mountain like a like that and the guys were screaming and yelling at, you know so you got to keep your eyes open this stuff is actually happening everywhere you go yeah that's true it's all relative you understand it's all relative uh, uh, you know that's such a cliche but it really is true it's uh have you have you ever watched the uh, television sometime you know and uh you're this is to give you an idea of the relativity of time and uh, you're, you're, you're watching this thing like, like a, a movie of some kind, and suddenly they come to this dramatic moment in the movie, see? The guy's got this dagger, and, uh, or a claw is coming through the old walls of the ancient castle behind where this girl is asleep. See, she's asleep in the stone bed. It's a four-poster. And uh, did you ever sleep in a four-poster, by the way? I didn't either. I have, but they constantly do that in movies. I, I, uh, I just, uh, I guess that's the way they live out there in Beverly Hills. You know, they, they, uh, they do. They live it up. I, I've never, uh, never had the privilege of uh, sleeping in a four-poster. But they often do that, especially in gothic tales of horror. Yes, this is where it happens a lot, and uh, or or either in either that or a Cornell Wilde movie. Uh, for those of you who. Uh, Yes. Uh, well, now, wait a minute. No, 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 no. All Cornell Wilde movies open with a close-up shot of a guy apparently wearing lace cufflinks, and he is writing with a quill pen. No, no. The sword fight comes way back later, Joe. You, 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 you'd be a rotten producer. Uh, no, it opens up with a, with a quill pen writing on a parchment scroll, and it says, To the Count uh, Ambrose Dubois. May I introduce the young gentleman who is the nephew of the late deceased? You know, he's writing this down, and then you see, you see him galloping, see, with the, and and uh, behind him you see coming up, 
you see the stagecoach, right? But it's a, it's a it's a it's a very elegant stagecoach. It's got these guys with tricorn hats, and inside of the the stagecoach we know is Ivan Di Carlo, correct? You've seen that movie, right? <laughs> well, of course, uh, that type of movie also was uh, it featured the. Uh, uh, Tony Curtis was often the featured in a movie of that type early in his career, and one of the most famous lines of all movie buff lines that I always wait for whenever this comes up on TV is when Tony Curtis looks out over the uh, over the ancient uh, British Isles, uh, uh, the you know the green hills of the castle and all, and he points. He says, "Yonder is my father's castle." Now, uh, this this. <laughs> <laughs> this ranks with one of the one of the great all-time unconscious pieces of humor. And of course, he was wearing these black tights and uh, one of these silk shirts that are torn open. And uh, he was uh, the young prince, you know. And he says, "Yonder is my father's castle." And uh, he he and Jeff Chandler used to vie for some of the greatest Bronx-type readings of classical lines. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you know, all of this is part of our culture, and we should appreciate it. And speaking of, uh, of our culture, there's nothing like uh, part of the culture. One day, uh, a thousand years from now, they're going to write about the culture that was provided by the radio stations of our time. Yeah, oh, yes. And they won't even know what it was like, will they? They'll just know that such things existed. It's like, you know, we have no way of knowing what went on in the Temple of Athena, uh, in, in, in the ancient uh, days, uh, uh, the Temple of Athena, the Temple of Jupiter. Uh, we can only suppose what went on, but we have no way of knowing. Wouldn't it be kind of great to drop in for services? Just you are there, you know, <laughs> at the Temple of Athena. You know, they're, 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 uh, uh, they're sacrificing a virgin to them. I just can't miss it. And you, you drop down there. And so uh, they will not know because, you know, tape has a very short life cycle, recorded tape. And uh, anything that's taped of today uh, will not be existing uh, 100 years from now. You agree? And, uh, you know, the ordinary tape, even though a lot of people tend to think it's forever, it's not. It, it loses its magnetism and all kinds of things happen. Now, even film, you know, there's been thousands. You know that there's thousands of films that have been lost forever? Did you know that, of course? Sure, you know, that the many, many films that were shot back in the great classical film days just don't exist anymore little fragment here and there, it's about all, even if that. Uh, so uh, there are certain performers whose uh, work has uh, just simply disappeared. But of course, this is true of almost anything. You know, when they burnt down uh, the library at Alexandria, you know, they, they burnt that, well, you, you know about this, the sacking of the famous library at Alexandria. Yeah, you know, they burn up a lot of good stuff, uh, a lot of comic books of the period. Uh, you know, that's what happens when the vandals come invading. They always, the first thing they do is burn down the library. <laughs> I'm back again. <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> hey, you know, there's, uh, I'm, I, I've, uh, you know, there's been a lot of suggestions. One of the suggestions is that uh, there's no question about it. It's happening on television. It's happening in the newspapers everywhere. Have you noticed that, uh, that the news stories and papers today keep getting in the way of the ads? Have you noticed that? And um, I know one newspaper out in, uh, in Pennsylvania that's given up entirely printing news because uh, they just don't have enough pages anymore. So they just print the, you know, ads, uh, tremendous. And you know what they found? Oh, well, wait a minute. They have found that their circulation is up one-third. 
since they stopped putting news in there? Well, sure. Absolutely. Well, the average guy doesn't want to hear about all that problems. You know, everybody's starving all over the place and fistfights, riots breaking out, you know, uh, cars blowing up, people robbing the banks and the whole... It's much more fun to read about the big fall sale at Montgomery Wards. That's, that's uh, you know, that's where life is. And uh, so, <laughs> now, now, wait a minute now. I'm going yeah, to go further than that, friends. Do you know that one of the biggest hits up in Canada, in the, in the movie houses... All right, you're listening, I'll tell you. that uh, No, some guys discovered that most people, uh, most people, not everybody, there's always a few soreheads. You know, that's the trouble, soreheads in the world, that, uh, that, uh, <laughs> that most people enjoy the commercials on television more than they enjoy the shows. They love them. Oh, yeah, I mean, when you see that gang, do you know that gang that sings, uh, for example, when you go into Burger King, you, you know that gang that sings? That's a great crowd. Oh, I, I mean, I think they ought to do a 90-minute TV show, you know, just to that crowd in the bourbon. You know, uh, hold the pickles and the mustard. Uh, you know, that's a great crowd, yeah. Oh, you can hear them. Oh, there's a Burger King on 6 a.m. The other day I walked past, and, guys, you could hear the yelling and the singing coming out, all those girls. Well, uh, what's more fun than to watch the, the McDonald commercials? Have you ever seen anything like that? I mean, it's great. And to watch uh, Charles Nelson Riley, for example, uh, Tell you that you've got to lay off uh, using real sugar, you know? You know, he does the thing with the, and how many, you know? And he goes, oh, come on, silly. He says, you know, come on, silly, at the end. You know, Charlie, you know, he's always camping up, you know, old Charlie. He's an old friend of mine. <laughs> and that's the way Charlie really is in life. Oh, yeah, it was very embarrassing to me one day. I'll tell you about that. Oh, you know, Charlie can't stop it. And he comes running to the station here, and he saw me. He said, oh, hello, silly. And he, and he grabbed me, and he was kissing me and hugging me. And, oh, it was just embarrassing. And in front of Sherry Henry, you know. Uh, you, just, you just don't do that kind of thing. So uh, anyway, you know, this life, life, uh, life goes on. And so anyway, these guys up in Canada discovered, uh, there was a couple of producers. They figured, well, what the hell? People love the commercials. And the trouble with most commercials is you know, you're looking at a little cockamamie TV set you got. You know, your antenna's bad, and the birds are sitting on the transmission wires up there, and it's flickering. So what they did was take 45 minutes of commercials, TV commercials, and splice them together and showed them in the movie house. Wide screen. Millions of people came. Yeah, and they would applaud as each one of their favorites arrives, you know, each time, uh, you know, and all the old-timers, you know, the, nothing is more fun than nostalgia in commercials now today. Oh, yes, don't you, don't you uh, really uh, miss that heart-shaped meatloaf? Don't you remember the heart-shaped meatloaf? Don't you remember that? Oh, sure you do. Don't tell me your memory is that imperfect. Don't you remember the girl... She's lying in bed there, and her husband, the new, the married, the newlyweds, and she says, "Darling," and he says, "He's in the bathroom there, and he's taking Alka-Seltzer or something, you know." And he's, uh, and, and she says, "I just thought, oh, now you remember. Now come on, what's the matter with you guys?" Of course, who can forget those beautiful moments in our past? I mean, uh, some of the great moments. I, I, uh, I remember. Uh, uh, what are some of your favorite uh, car commercials? Cars, cars, come on. Oh, no, no, I'm not talking about your favorite car. We're talking about your favorite car commercial. 
Oh, well, then I don't understand why you like that one, because there's another commercial that comes on that proves conclusively all the people who bought that car are now buying this other car because they discovered the other car is better, you know. Come on now, don't give me that. Oh, no, no. Some of, some of my favorite moments in, uh, in, in the theater are watching commercials, and you have to consider them theatrical. The nostalgic commercials, for example. Uh, gee whiz, you know that that you know that 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 wonderful old uh, drugstore where the guy is selling the first Coke. You saw that one, didn't you? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but these are all the great moments in our theatrical history, and I and I say then then don't complain because there'll be a day when you'll be collecting these. Just come on. Hey, you mean you mean we're all through? Well, we can do a show now. Well, there's no, no reason why we shouldn't do a whole show then. What do you say? We've done all right. How about playing the theme then, Joe? Come on, we'll start the show. Come on, it's time for Shepard to do a show. Let's go. That's oh, very good. Take it out, Joe, quick. We don't have any time. You know, this show's not only three, four, maybe five milliseconds long sometimes. Uh, there was one time when I... Oh, shucks. I mean, I almost said, uh, gee whiz. And, you know, I'm so excited now being on actually on the air that it that i i uh you kind of lose your touch you know it's uh you do uh, when uh, it, you really do and uh, I'll, I'll tell you this though uh, i never stop there's no question about it uh, you never stop i i uh, i'd like to uh i'd like to say among other things friends now that i'm i'm back on the air here and i've got a show to do that um i'd like to tell you a gag you mind if i tell you a gag huh okay um, no, maybe I better not, because I'm worried. No, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm worried, uh, Joe. I'm really worried. Uh, uh, and I'll tell you why I'm worried. Bring me on a little more of that, uh, that poetic music, please, Joseph, please. A little poetic music. There you go. Thank you very much. I'll tell you why I'm worried. I'm worried for, you know, a number of reasons. We're all, uh, you know, man lives... Man cannot live by, by uh, laughter alone, you know. He can't live by cheering and going around and... Uh, and passion is not the only thing in life. Do you agree? Uh, m no, man cannot do without worry either. And I must say that man cannot live without worry alone either. You like that? That's tonight's salute to Norman Vincent Peale. No, sir. Pray your way to the top, friends. Make big dough. Latch on to... Oh, no, that's another story. Bring it up, Joe. Please, please. We're subverting the youth again, please. Don't want to do that. Not that they're not subverted already enough just by being alive. I mean, automatically you're subverted, right? Do you agree with that? You don't. Well, you don't agree with anything. That's smart. But you must remember one day you're going to be called on the witness stand and they're going to say, you did not agree with the following statement, did you? And you're going to have to say, no, I didn't. And that's going to put you in the can. So uh, I'll tell you why I'm worried. I keep getting these letters that start out and says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he will acknowledge, and he will light the way. I keep getting that letter. Now, I, I, I receive this every maybe two or three days. It's usually mimeographed. It says, this prayer has been sent to you for good luck. The original copy came from the Netherlands. It has been around the world nine times. It's always nine times. The luck has been sent to you. You are to receive good luck within four days of receiving this letter. It is no joke. You will receive it in the mail. You've gotten these, haven't you? Of course. Send 20 copies of this letter to people you think need good luck. Please do not send money. Do not keep this letter. It must leave within 95 hours after... Why 95? That's an interesting arbitrary... Luck turns off after that. You know how them gods are. You can't... 
A U.S. officer received $7,000. Don Elliott received $60,000, but he lost it because he broke the say, <laughs> Fink. While in the Philippines, General Walsh lost his wife six days after he received this letter, for he failed to circulate the prayer. However, before his death, he received $775,000, which he won. Well, he died, you know. What's all that dough going to do him? Well, there you go. See, luck comes like that. And you know, I'm worried. I've gotten over 500 of these in the last couple of years, and I have not once sent it on. Maybe that's the reason why I'm still here in this sea of, you know. Ah, yes. To do battle or not to do battle. You don't mind if I paraphrase the bard. In this sea of infamy. To be or not to be, that's the question. To do battle or not, to give in or not, that's what it is. To sell out or not, that's the question. So should I send in this letter? I noticed that one of the guys, that it says, uh, it says, a man from Washington received great fame immediately after sending in his letter. H.R. Haldeman, what, who was he? I don't remember him. He sent the letter in. It says he received great fame and honor from his superiors. Well, bring it up there, please, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. Gee, it says, I'm supposed to send this letter out to somebody named Charles R. Stack and Mr. Uh, Nicky Trueheart. I can't send a letter to anyone named Nicky Trueheart. My God, what will they think, you know? I must be a stripper at least. Now, that's why I'm worried. Now, how often have you gotten one? Who the hell are these people that send this stuff? Who are they? I mean, is there anybody out there? Come on. Now, come on. Uh, one of you out there, admit just once. Now, I, I must say I have never, ever sent one of these letters. They keep coming. You know? They keep coming to me. I have never sent one on. Have you ever done it? You know, send it to 20 people and do the whole shtick. Have you done that stuff? And I don't know why it always comes from the Netherlands. They never say from uh, Upper Volta. I guess they don't have any luck there, you know. Uh, it's always the Netherlands. And uh, I keep hearing about this General Walsh. It's the same letter I keep getting. Now, who the hell pays the postage? It comes in, the, in an envelope without any uh, a letterhead or anything. And they paid the postage. It says right on there. Who is it? Who's doing this? Not you, huh? Well. <laughs> well, now, wait. I want, I want one person out there, one person, who has actually got one of these damn things and has sent it on, I want one of them to write to me and tell me what happened and why you sent it on. First of all, I want to know what, what made you do that. And secondly, I want to know what happened. Now, the only time, this is, this is apparently some kind of a chain letter thing, you know, so, some one of those flim-flams. Maybe that's a way of getting guys' name on mailing lists. You know, that could be it. Uh, I don't know, but you're on, you happen to be on their mailing list. You're on this, uh, the good luck has been mailed to you from Netherlands mailing list. <laughs> I don't know how they get, <laughs> how they decide. I wonder if there's anybody out there who's never gotten one of these. Now, that's an interesting question. Everybody I know has gotten these things. I don't know one guy that hasn't gotten one. So, uh, you know, there must be some vast organization out there devoted to sending these things out. Has to be. Uh, you can't mail uh, a mailing to every person in the United States without having some kind of a budget. You agree? Now, I want, I want an honest answer. I really do. I want an honest answer from uh, my two uh, cohorts in the control room. Joe, have you ever gotten one of these? 
You have. Mark, you have. I have. Everybody I know has. Now, I don't know anybody that's ever sent one of them on, or at least who will admit to it. Well, now, wait a minute. I'm going to tell you, how much time do I have? You mean, uh, now that we're doing the whole, the actual show. Oh, we got three, oh, why, three, three minutes and 20 seconds? That's practically all afternoon, you know, all night with the way things are going. Great Scott. Some salesman's going to get hell for not selling this, I'll tell you. I'm going to Shepard's doing the show again, fellas, what you're doing there. But uh, nevertheless, I'm going to tell you, this, you've got to be careful about these things because uh, my mother one time uh, actually went in for one of these. Now, th uh, this was the real chain mail, you know, the chain letters. Uh, the old man, you know, he, he gets a letter uh, one day, and it says, uh, send a dollar uh, to, uh, to, uh, the to, to the name that's on the top of the list. That's right. Send the, the dollar to the name that's on the top of the list. Then put your name on the bottom of the list, and then mail it out to ten friends. Within weeks, you'll be rich. And, of course, the old man just kept sending bucks and nothing ever happened. He never got a damn cent, see? <laughs> he just kept sending the money out. Well, you know, he, he was one of those guys. He was always given a try. And so uh, one day, my mother was always laughing. She said, oh, that's silly. You know, you'll never get any of that back. And he kept saying, well, you never know. See, that's the great trap for all people. You never know. In the name of you never know, more evil has been perpetrated, more chicanery, more flimflamery. You never know. And that's why, you know, people buy for anything. So the old man just say, oh, come on, now, you never know. And my mother said, oh, you, you, you don't know. You, how many times you sent in? You never got anything back. Yeah, but you never know. It's just right here. One guy got $17,942 back within three days. And she says, you believe that? Oh, come on. Well, you're such a cynic. Why would they, they can't put a guy's name down there unless it wasn't true, you know. People believe you can't write something down unless it's true. And so the weeks went by, you know, and then one day my mother, my mother announced to the old man, she says, I sent in a chain mail letter, chain letter. And he says, what? Are you laughing, right? <laughs> now it's your turn, huh? Where'd you get the buck? And at that point, my mother says, well, it wasn't a dollar, actually. My, the chain letter came to me and uh, was sent to be my Mrs. Anderson. You, know, you have to put the names in the, the list and you send it to Mrs. Anderson sent one to me, and you send in a dish rag to send one dish rag to the name at the top. And uh, within uh, two weeks, uh, Mrs., uh, Mrs. Gumpox of East Dismal Seepage, Ohio, received over 12,000 mail. Uh, in the mail, received 12,000 dish rags. So... My mother says, I sent a dish rag out, and I sent it to ten friends. The old man says, oh, are you kidding? Don't tell me you believe that. And she says, well, you never know. He's not, ha-ha, 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 you never know, right? Ha-ha, ha-ha. Oh, you're a sucker, that's what you are. And she says, well, you know, that's after all, it was just a dish rag. I sent a dish rag. You remember the ones that your, your sister Glenn gave us for uh, Christmas two years ago, the ones with Santa Claus all over them, the terrible dish rags. Well, I sent one of those on. He's you sent my sister's dish rag. What do you mean? Well, that was another. I don't have to tell you what happened. Within three days, and I'm not kidding, the mailman was staggering up our walk with giant bags of mail. They were sending trucks to the house. We received over 17,000 dish rags. Within two weeks, I'm serious, they came in, I'm not kidding you, dish rags, we had dish rags. My mother was packing them under the basement steps. We had dish rags down in the coal bin. 
We had dish rags stacked in, uh, it was just unbelievable. And even to this day, my mother still has four gunny sacks full of brand new dish rags in case, you know, you never know. See? She's been giving them away. What are you going to do with 17,242 dish rags? And she actually got them. Money? No. Dish rags? Yeah. Cuba seat? No, that's another thing. I'm sorry. Bring it up there, please, Joe. I told you, you know. You just never know. That's why I'm worried, you know. I, I'm going to have to send one of these on. I mean, look what happened to General Walsh. Yes. And you know, they know a lot about good luck in, in the Netherlands. Well, look at their history. It's all full of good luck. You know, occupation by the Nazis. The dikes keep breaking. They keep... Well, uh, bring it. no wonder they're worried. All right, bring it up there. You just don't know about these things. No, I don't, I don't fly into the face of anything. Do you know what I do? You're looking at a guy that never once steps on a crack on a sidewalk. Why? That's right. That's right. I listen, I, I one time did, you know, I just put my foot a little bit on this crack one day just to see what would happen. Three days later, my mother had this fantastic backache. You know, she was taking Listerine, Burma Save, all of it. She was trying a palm pen gay. You know, I didn't tell her I did it. You know, it's just gotta be careful. You just never know, right, gang? You never know. You never, never know. We are steeped in ignorance. By recording from New York, you've been listening to Inside Gene Shepherd. Our next Shepherd program can be heard at 7 o'clock Monday evening. There you have it, friends. From the Library of Sound, my own Gene Shepherd vault. We opened it up tonight to get out one of my tapes from a show I recorded on January 17th in 1975. Yeah, I was still a young kid, <laughs> but thank goodness I had the sense to record those Gene Shepherd shows. Today's January 17th, 1975 show was a real classic story that Gene Shepherd would tell quite often about the dishrag chain letter. Yeah. Okay, friends. Hope you enjoyed that one. I am... Your humble host for the Library of Sound, the Gene Shepherd Editions. Till next time when I dip once again back into my Gene Shepherd library and play another one of my tapes. Till then, I am me, your humble host, saying so long for now. Thanks for listening. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.